Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment. Sponsored by Tech Help Boston. If you want to get someone's attention, just tell them a great story. If you want to inspire someone, introduce them to someone whose story is so powerful, it's life-changing. This series is all about women as role models. Everyday women from every walk of life doing great things with their lives. And these exceptional women are generous. You see, their joy comes from telling you how they got to where they are today, including all the bumps in the road and the obstacles they encountered along the way. After having interviewed about 700 women in my career, I believe that successful women have a positive mindset. They forge their own path. They figure out a way around roadblocks and obstacles. They think differently. By the end of this episode, I hope you will agree. The woman you are about to meet has made a name for herself as the founder and the CEO of Washtone Media. She's a digital architect with 650 clients worldwide, and under her powerful leadership, Washtone Media specializes in search engine optimization, social media marketing and strategy, branding, small business startups, product launches, and releases, and the list just goes on and on. Her clients range from mom-and-pop stores to Apple and Home Depot, Merrill Lynch, and PayPal. And did I mention that Washtone Media is also a certified partner with Google? Jamie is clearly a business leader and an entrepreneur, but she's also a community leader, a mentor, a public speaker, and a trailblazer. But if you were to ask Jamie about her greatest accomplishments, I am going to guess that she will credit her fulfilling marriage and her five children and abiding faith for giving her the strength to survive breast cancer. There is so much to learn about Jamie Washington, and this is her story. Jamie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Candy. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. So happy to be here. You know, you have a certain energy that just fills the room. As soon as I saw you, you've got this big, beautiful smile. We'll have some pictures <laughs> on the website so people can see you. It thank takes a you. lot of courage to launch your own business. Was yes. there a moment in your career journey where you decided it was time to go out on your own? I did, actually. I, at first, I was a freelance social media manager. With being an alumni of Berkeley College of Music, um, it really worked out that a lot of the music directors or those that were playing for A-list celebrities, I actually knew some of the band members. Through those connections, I was able to contact a few A-list celebrities and I began to freelance and actually run their social media. So I was actually the person behind their Facebook, their Twitter and Instagram. Wait Just a minute. <laughs> you mean Kim Kardashian doesn't do her own stuff? What's up with that? I don't really know about Kim, <laughs> but there are some celebrities that are just a little too busy doing what they do best. And trying to figure out social media, it's just something that they don't want to figure out. I remember having 12 clients and I wanted to sabotage my business because I wanted to pull my hair out because I was like, how am I going to do this? I'm trying to manage 12 clients. And then it came to the point, I said, you know what? I really have to form a business. And then that's how Washtone Media was birthed. It sounds like a good problem to have. Yes. All of a sudden you had too many clients, right? So SEO, search engine optimization, is just one of the specialties of Washtone Media. Walk me through what you offer to your clients. 
One thing that I, I notice about my clients is that they all have a passion for their product um, or their service. The number one problem they usually have is that they don't have a way to share it. They don't know how to share it. And as we know, Google being the search engine, um, the number one search engine that we have my clients need to be on the first page of that search engine. Like, for example, if one of my clients, uh, let's say, is an Italian eatery in South Boston, we want to make we want to make sure that when someone types into Google "best Italian eatery," that my client pops up number one, so that they get those customers coming in. It's all about making sure that the search engine is optimized with the correct keywords, so that our clients' customers are coming through the door. How's business? It's great. (laughs) Business is great. We just hired three new employees, which has been fantastic. Sometimes I look at my life and I know it's just a blessing. Um, I never expected to be able to do something that I love. And get paid for it. And get paid for it. (laughs) And I love to market. I I love social media. And I love to make sure that clients are on the page where they need to be and that people know what what they're doing. What is the number one challenge that entrepreneurs face as they try to get the word out about who they are and what their service or their product is that they provide online? I would say the number one problem is knowing exactly where to spend their advertising dollars. One thing that I always tell my clients, especially with social media, you should focus on one platform. And that's something that a lot of people don't do. They want to, you know, be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, and they want to be on all of them all at one time. What I teach my clients, as well as the way that we work at Washtone, is we find one foundation, one pillar. Let's say that that's Facebook, where our clients' customers are. And we build, <laughs> we build a solid foundation on that one platform, and then we migrate to another platform. Creating your brand is key to success in any business. But what are the attributes, Jamie, of a powerful brand? I think the attributes of a powerful brand is when a brand is not afraid to pull back the curtain and show consumers and their customers what goes on behind the scenes. Because we're in such a digital media world, a lot of people want to now see the C-level execs, those that we normally may not have been able to see. Um, but they want to see what goes on, like Delta Airlines. They want to see what goes on in those offices. What is their day-to-day? And I think a powerful brand is one that's not afraid to pull back the curtain and show customers and consumers the everyday work life. Which ones do you admire the most? I admire Apple so much because they don't promote their product. Let's just say if it's um, a MacBook Pro, which is their laptop, they never promote the specifications of of the MacBook Pro. They never promote, you know, how many gigabytes, none of that. They promote what the MacBook Pro can do for you. And if you look at the ads, you usually see like the ads that they have now where you will see someone sitting down and then the laptop 
you'll only see the back part of the laptop and they'll have some sort of quote that will say what's behind the laptop. And you're just like, oh, I wonder what that person is doing. Also with the iPhones, the iPhones don't really change from year to year, but how is it that they're so successful that they can still have people lined up? It's because they show you what the iPhone can do. Because it's not about them. It's about how people use their product. Yes. So used strategically, social media is obviously a valuable business tool. Boston Parent Magazine recently named you their top social media power influencer. Give me your short list of social media best practices. I would say number one is the talk back factor. And that is something that some of the mid to large brands that we onboard, they don't they don't understand what that means. And basically, it's so simple. When someone posts a comment on one of your platforms, you should respond. Yes, you may not be able to respond to all 135, but you can respond to at least the first five or Even six. Even by just liking their comment to yes. let them know that you saw it. Yes. It's the humanization of social media. And a lot of brands just don't get it. But that's the number one thing. And when I tell people, even if it's a negative comment, you should still respond. Let someone know that you care. Let's go back a few chapters in your incredible life to your childhood. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up, Jamie. I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Love my hometown. Can you I, fall into a Southern accent like on the on a dime? Yes. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> when I go back home, it picks up. Like my, my, my accent picks up. Yeah. And I, I attended a school called Briarcrest Christian School. It actually was featured in the movie uh, The Blind Side. Wow. Yes. Just a wonderful, wonderful school. Mom and dad are still in Memphis. My goal and desire was to go to Berkeley College of Music. Well, to that I must say, so what role did music play in your life? I feel that sometimes with music and even with you, Candy, also um, with your beautiful voice, I've heard from several videos and it's just wonderful. It's something that music does for you. I feel that you can kind of transport yourself into a different world and it gives you that emotion. I mean, there are people that will cry if, if it's a song that touches them. You can laugh. You can smile. You can feel a sense of empowerment. And music just does that for you. Did you sing in church when you were growing up? I did. And I still do sing in church. What's I your did. favorite song to sing? Amazing Grace. Can you just do a little bit of that for me? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Woo, the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> Jamie, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. So did you want to be a singer? Did you want to be out on a stage? And what, what did, you know, let's go back to Jamie, little girl in Memphis, Tennessee. Jamie, hi, what do you want to be? I want to be like Whitney Houston. <laughs> Yes, that that is what I wanted to be. And all the way up into the summer of my sophomore year at Berkeley, that's when things changed. And it changed by this wonderful woman. Her name is Reba McIntyre. Reba at Stardust Studios in Nashville, Tennessee, um, she has a collaborative partnership with Berkeley College of Music. 
it's a wonderful avenue for you to intern. And I was a dual major. I was vocal performance and songwriting, and you needed to, to do an internship. We flew down to Nashville, me and a couple of our professors and a few of my friends. I interviewed and I received the, the internship with Reba. Watching Reba McIntyre build this studio that was so futuristic. She had a hello pad on the top of her building. She opened up the studio for other, not just country singers and artists, but for other artists to be able to record. She had this huge green screen, like it was the size of a warehouse. And the times that she would pull in and pull out to talk to us interns, you know, while we were getting coffee for everyone else, <laughs> Just what she imparted into us. When I left that internship, I said to myself, I can do more than just sing on the stage. Because at that time, Reba was actually making what we call her exit strategy. She felt that, you know, she loved to sing, but that she was more than that. She was a businesswoman, and she still is. If you look at what she's done, you know, right now, it's just... Television, movies. Yes. And my internship was in 2000. So... Everything that she built and was getting ready to create, it was so futuristic. I mean, people would look at her and say, why does she have a hello pad on the top of her building? She built an entire building. And she said, I'm tired of renting studios when I can have my own studio and then people can rent from me. Oh. Brilliant idea. Brilliant. What did you learn from her? What did she pass on to you? Because obviously Reba McIntyre was a role model. Yes. I believe that she passed on to me that I could be more than just a singer, that I could still love music, that it was so many different avenues in the music industry that I had never even considered. I left there so inspired. And she's a little petite woman and she's got this beautiful smile. But when she had boardroom strategy meetings, we actually were allowed to sit there. We, but just to see the way she negotiated deals and I just said, my goodness, I want to be a businesswoman. So you go back to Boston and your life changes after this internship. I changed my major to professional music because when you change it to professional music, you're actually able to take more courses to the music business. And that wasn't in my dual major. And where did you go from there? Interestingly enough, I had planned to go back to Nashville, Tennessee. I was actually offered a position to work as a secretary, receptionist type at Reba McIntyre's studios. But then my college sweetheart decided to propose my the love of my life, Brian. <laughs> he decided to propose. I accepted. He's born and raised in Boston. Um, and he, that's how the story changed, yes. right? Love is a powerful thing, isn't yes. it? Five children. Yes. What is it like in your house? It's so fun. I have the fun house. My nieces and nephews, they love to come to my house. My children's friends from school, they love to come to my house. It's the Washington house is the fun house. Um, it can be some kind of like organized chaos at times, especially like this morning, getting everyone up ready to go to school, making sure everyone had had their breakfast, making sure that lunches, I still fix lunches, and making sure that everyone's lunch is properly prepared. And trying to get out of the door yeah. in time. And to balance a pretty busy life. And, and you know, I say the word balance and I feel like I've I'm gone back to the 90s because let's let's face it, there is no such thing as balance. <laughs> no, it's not. You know, because we just can't do it all. I'm no. sorry, but we just can't. And no. things do fall apart. Yes. And it has to do with resiliency more so than balance. <laughs> At least that's what I think these days. 
How many years have you been married? 17. What's the key to a happy marriage? Love conquers all. Because even with 17 years of marriage, you have your ups and you have your downs. You have circumstances that you you go through in life. But if you have love, love will conquer all. Well, speaking of hard experiences in life, can we talk a little bit about your breast cancer journey? Yes. Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way, because if you have a printing problem or whatever, and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. Let's start with your diagnosis. Okay. What Mm. was your reaction? I actually went to the doctor just for a checkup. And while I was there, my PCP, Dr. Amy Ship, who had been my PCP since I was a teenager, she said to me, you are scheduled for your annual physical with me in September, but I know you get busy with Brian and the kids. Why don't I just give you your physical now? This is in July. And I said, sure. So as she began to um, go through the physical, she noticed what we thought was a cyst. And she said, well, I'm not too concerned because you're 36. You don't have any um, history of breast cancer, but I want to get it checked out just in case. So through her um, being so proactive and still wanting to get it checked out, I went through a series of tests. And then when we got to mid-July, that's when I got a phone call from her nurse, and she asked if I would come in and um, if I could bring bring someone with me. We got there. I brought my husband, Brian. Dr. Ship came in, and she just looked at me. And when she looked at me with her caring eyes, Candy, I just knew. My heart sank, and she said, Jamie, I'm so sorry to tell you that you, you have um, breast cancer. It was like my world was spinning. I heard the words, but I didn't comprehend the words. It almost reminded me of a movie because she was speaking to me and I didn't hear anything she was saying after those words that you have breast cancer. What year are we talking about here? 2016. 2016 is probably a year that if you had to go and erase a year from your life, you would probably maybe want to do that. Mm -hmm. Did you go through surgery? Did you have a lumpectomy? Did you do chemo? Did you do radiation? Talk to me a little bit about that. I went through 24 chemotherapy treatments. I was diagnosed with stage 3C invasive ductal carcinoma. So it had gotten into the lymph nodes. I also had a right breast mastectomy. My type of cancer candy was, they named it the Tasmanian devil because it was growing so fast. They didn't have a formula that would treat 
and cure my type of cancer. The type of breast cancer I had, the mortality rate was really, really high. I actually flew to Arizona to a place called uh, CTCA, which is Cancer Center Treatments of America. I received treatments there for a certain period of time. And then I found my, my doctor here in, in Needham, and we were able to transfer my treatment over use the same formula with the chemotherapy, the formula that goes inside of the bag. Talk to me a little bit about how your children handled this. Oh, wow. Telling your children can sometimes be harder than hearing the news yourself. Yes. When I left hearing about my diagnosis, Candy, I I actually didn't want to go through treatments. I thought about my children because when they shared what life was going to be like. It, you know, it's going to be really hard. We don't know if you're going to survive. Um, we're going to do our best, but we can't make, we don't make promises. And you have a, the words they kept saying, you have a bad type of cancer. And I'm thinking, cancer is bad all the way around, but they're like, oh no, but you have a bad type. And I'm like, looking at my children and then I'm thinking, I won't see them graduate from high school. I won't see them get married. They had told me that you, you probably have about six to 12 months. So now I'm thinking, okay, this is 2016. So 2017, I won't even be here to see them. Wow. You told me that you grew up singing in church. So I'm going to guess faith plays a role here for you. Yes. Talk to me about that. I needed a lot of prayer. You know, I... There were times when when I found out I couldn't even pray for myself. I didn't know what to pray, how to pray, and I grew up in church all my life. A few of the first few phone calls that my husband and I made, you know, first was to our pastor. I called back home, wanted everyone to know what was going on, and that I needed their prayers. Prayer is a powerful thing, and faith in God is a powerful thing. And I had to go deep inside of my soul and pull all of the word and all of the stories that I had heard of God being a healer. I had to pull that all out and hold on to my faith like never before. I mean, Candy, there were some times even through the treatment that I couldn't take care of my children. I couldn't even take care of myself. And that was tough for me. But I thank God for prayer and faith in him. I've interviewed so many breast cancer survivors, and one of the things that they tell me is that breast cancer changes you from the inside out. How did it change you? It does change you. You you appreciate life so much more. Just another day, even if it's a sunny day, if it's a rainy day, if it's a day with 12 inches of snow. (laughs) (laughs) You're still here. You're still here. And you know another thing that it changes from the inside, things that used to bother you, they don't bother you anymore. And situations that occur even after breast cancer, because they're, you're still living. There's still life things that happen in you. You have to make choices, and sometimes those choices are tough. But when you can weigh, okay, I went through cancer, and weigh whatever that circumstance is, it, it, it never amounts to the, the amount of energy that you had to pull through in order to be a survivor. I've been to so many funerals in the last 12 months of friends 
that you become friends with those that you have treatments with. And you you, you can sometimes have a sense of um, guilt. Survivor guilt. Yes. Why me and not them? Yes. And you hug their loved ones and you have that guilt. Why me, not them? If you could reach out and offer a woman who has just heard the words, you have breast cancer, some piece of advice, what would that be? I would first reach out to her to find out what on her plate I could take off. Whether it's laundry duty, I would take care of that. If it's groceries, if it's meals, whatever is on her plate that's day to day, that I could take that off of her plate so that she could just focus on herself and getting well. You know, you speak about tasks like that. And I know you've been honored by the Ellie Fund. (laughs) And I'm such a fan of the Ellie Fund. That's exactly what they do, isn't it? It is. Show up with the meal that you can't cook, do the laundry you're too exhausted to even deal with. And that's one of the things that helped me with actually deciding to go through with chemotherapy because I didn't want to do any of that. I was thinking, I have my kids. How are they going to get to school? How, you know, who's going to fix home cooked meals? Um, Who's going to do the grocery? Who's going to do the laundry? Who's going to do all of these things? And the Ellie Fund showed up right on time and they took those things off of our plates, which was such a blessing. We learn from our mistakes Mm. in our lives. (laughs) Have you made any big ones and what has the lesson been for you? I've had a failed business before Washington Media became the success that it that it is. And I think what I've learned is I wish I would have picked up the pieces sooner rather than later. You know, with your success and many people that I've spoken with, as I'm sure if you have as well, is that a failure is not the end all. A failure is just sometimes feedback. What did I do wrong and how can I do it better? And that leads me to my next question. Obstacles can be hard to overcome for Mm -hmm. all of us. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I first take a step back and figure out what is this obstacle trying to teach me? Is this an obstacle that that I've seen before? Am I going around this mountain over and over again? How do I not only conquer this obstacle, but make sure that I never see it again. And that's when we go into annihilation. How can I annihilate (laughs) (laughs) this obstacle? I don't want to see it anymore ever again in business or personal. What do you wish you knew when you first got started in business? You know, I'm thinking about this young, beautiful (laughs) African-American woman who graduates from Berkeley with a professional music degree and marries the man she loves. Let's go back to that period in time. You know, what, what would you tell her? I wish I could tell her that everything is going to be all right. My personality, I am a strategist. Like you had mentioned, a digital architect. I strategize. Even when when we're building out content for our clients, we build out, you know, two to three weeks in advance. When I graduated, I didn't know what was next. And it scared me so much. It's hard for me my personality to just step out, like step out on faith and you just don't know where you're going. But to be able to maybe whisper in that Jamie at 20 years old, it's going to be okay. Your life has been so rich with so much vibrancy, so many experiences, some very difficult, but as you said, there's always a lesson there. What are you most proud of? 
I'm most proud of my children, giving birth to five amazing children, and they're all different in so many ways, but they're also now growing up in their own right. And I love that when I get to go in various different places and they say, oh, Mrs. Washington, your children are so well behaved and they're so sweet. I'm proud of that. Even with going through chemo candy, my girls would notice, Victoria and Sabrina, my oldest two, would notice that some patients never had someone that would sit with them. So they would go and say, would you like something to drink? Can I bring you some graham crackers? And they became these little helpers. And I didn't have to tell them to do it. It was already inside of them. You must have done something right. I hope so. (laughs) Success means many things to many people. I read somewhere that you try to leave a trail of success wherever you go. How do you measure success right here, right now, in this moment? I measure success with when you can say that you have made it to where you are and you've had many obstacles, many failures, many defeats, but still standing and still having an innovative mind and a visionary spirit. I want to say thank you so much for telling us your story today, for being so open and so honest in sharing your breast cancer journey. Here's to your health and to your continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you, Candy. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?